everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Rift Reaction, where we, Emily Rand and I, sit down and talk about how she went horseback riding this weekend. It was a fun time. It was good. My butt hurts. Oh, uh, that's fantastic. That, that's about it. And that's this a show is because I was complaining as I as I sat down in the chair. I was like, oh, yes. my butt hurts. It's such a struggle. I it know. <laughs> and that's how we're kicking off the world. Wow, the scintillating preview episode. Oh my gosh, this is the the last episode you'll see before we get into world's territory. Uh, and I'm excited. Are you excited, Emily Rand? I feel like this is always the peak excitement, right? Because nothing's happened. So everything is, you know, the old line in the darkness. There may be fear, but there's always hope. People still have hope. You're rolling your eyes at wow, me. Wow, where are we going? <laughs> I, mean, I feel like you're hitting on my reaction shot a little bit. So maybe you can, <laughs> we can reflect on that at the end of the show. But... No, I mean, you know, I mean, like nothing's happened. Like in your head, you can be like, oh, the team I want ah, to win. Yeah. Yeah. That's infinite all I possibilities. Meant. Yeah. Yeah. And, and soon the infinite possibilities will start narrowing down as teams lose or get eliminated or yeah. blah, blah, blah. I see. Okay. That's fair. Anything could happen in this world. And soon nothing can happen <laughs> in the world. Uh, okay. Let's start off by talking a little bit about what the show is going to be about this week. So. Emily Rand is going to hard carry me because we're basically going to be doing a play-ins preview. So I'm going to be asking her a bunch of questions about the teams and the groups and play-ins. And she's going to be answering because she is, is it a leak to say that you're working play-ins? You're not sure. No, I'm not sure. I'm on, I'm on calling. She may or may not be on the play-ins broadcast. We don't know yet, but she's prepared regardless. Yes. And so we're going to put all that knowledge to use now just in case <laughs> it goes to waste if you're not on the broadcast. It never goes to waste. I just know about teams. I don't know. I'm just like saying, knowing things. if these teams get eliminated, <laughs> it will go to use with the context of content. And True, true. Yes. There okay. would be no content. So we're going to do that. Then we'll we'll have a little bit of Q&A and poll and stuff like that and, and reaction shots. It should be good. So... Uh, let's start with last week's poll, which is a great way to lead into our plans discussion, which is which is the tougher plans group? 32% of you said a, and 68% of you said B and maybe we should have done this as a Q and a, cause I'm so curious what the yeah. reasoning was from the a same actually, because yeah. like even when you get, so even when you get beyond the, the major region teams, um, of DRX and RNG, from uh, LCK and LPL being in group B, like even the, I would say every team but Isaris Gaming is still like, uh, it's tough. Um, Cause you have Chiefs and Loud in group A, which as much as I love CBLOL and um, LCO, I would say are weaker than say a Saigon Buffalo and a Mad Lions. So like, it's not just the two teams at the top that I think are stronger in group B. I think from top to bottom, the group is actually stronger than group A. All right, so let's maybe do this. We'll, we'll go into our group, group previews. Um, and so we, we can talk about what each of the groups are. Uh, and in group A, we have BYG, Chiefs, DFM, EG, Fnatic, and Loud. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about group A. Who are the expected teams to get out? Who are the, um, I don't know, under uh, Dark Horses? And then who are the ones that like 
there's very, very it'll be a miracle if they make it out emily so even with the their kind of playoff uh fall um after ramping up throughout playoffs i still think Fnatic were favored to take this group prior to covid substitution so for those that don't know um they're using Rux as a substitute, and then I believe they're also going to use Bean. I can't believe he's still team. playing since Chris I was shocked. days. No, that's a different... <laughs> Talking at the Portuguese. But he's also been playing for a really long time. So, okay. um, But yeah, uh, so that'll be interesting because I do think um, specifically the absence of Upset and Hillsong are... They're such a key components of that team's success. Um, so I'm very curious to see how that will affect that team. I think Beyond Gaming are an interesting team because people previously who only know of them from other, um, you know, from other uh tournaments probably only think of them as like doggo's team where obviously doggo has not been on that team all year um and they do play around uh waco they're ready to carry people might remember from i believe he was on j team at an international event previously um but this team is they're really interesting in uh pcs because i thought i i was kind of surprised that they made it uh and not psg talon just because they would go for these like early game comps and I didn't think they had necessarily the strongest laners to be able to do that. Um, and then they get sometimes outplayed mid to late. So I'm very curious with all of the changes that are going to happen in the meta, what this team is going to end up looking like. Um, but I think their team to watch out for our audience is already familiar with EG. So I'm not sure how much they want me to go into that, but, um, Kauri is going to be still in for EG. So that's something to keep in mind. DFM, the old standby, um, Udipon and Evie have now, I think set records for how long they've been playing together on this team. Um, in addition to Saros who's on their coaching staff. So, they're kind of like an old standby. I always see Ebby. I always love seeing Ebby on the international stage, uh, not only because of his personality, but because I think he it's between him and Yudapan as who is the best Japanese player in history. Um, and I think it's Ebby. I see the argument for Yudapan as well. Um, and then Loud. I love CBL so much. I think this team is going to have a tough time. Um, the the they just won Valorant. They did. Their Valorant team is really good. And interestingly enough, one of their players on their Valorant team used to be an AD carry in League of Legends. Saucy. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, but you might recognize Tinones from 2014 Worlds, Travis, and the Kaboom team. You don't. Oh, You're actually like... No, when a, you said the Kaboom team. I mean, yeah. uh, yes, that flashback. Yeah, he was the mid laner yeah. on that team. Sorry, I struggled to go back eight years <laughs> to... Uh, wild card teams you know it's uh but that that was his, a very memorable this one. is his return to worlds yeah, yeah i might have interviewed him even so i don't know yeah he's cool um him him and robo i think are the two players that people might be more familiar with on this team um their jungler croc is previously um he's from south korea he's played on a few different teams um including chiefs so he's going to be going up against like his old 
Org. Um, previously also played for LGD and Rampage. So he's been in like a lot of different leagues. I think he sacrifices a lot to help his lanes. So his early pathing isn't the most efficient and that can kind of end up biting them in the butt. Um, but I am curious to see how they'll perform. And then last but not least, Chiefs Esports Club, which is like this, like the LCO revenge tour, I guess. Like all of these players have a reason to have like a chip on their shoulder because they've been passed over by other orgs or they are looking for redemption from maybe not doing as well in North America or on other teams. Like for example, Arthur, people might remember from HLE. He was replaced by Willer prior. Travis, your eyes are glazing over. Anyway, uh, that is that is the group A rundown, I guess. I do think that this group overall top to bottom is weaker than group B. Okay. So if we had to group these into these, t- these are the teams that should make it out from this group and and who's going to make it out in first and then like again dark horses and then no chance where how would how would we do this um the fanatic thing is super interesting to me because i think not being able to have upset in hillisong i am not sure how that is gonna how much that's gonna harm them i would say if it was in groups it would be a lot more dire right um but i would still of this group expect EG and Fnatic to get out um that might actually give EG a slight edge I don't know depends on how well they can integrate Kauri and what comfort picks they find for him outside of Dilution obviously um I think Beyond is another team. Beyond and DFM are the two other teams that I'm eyeing and I'm like, like the dark horses. Yeah, I'm like okay, like Beyond I think can do some good things, but I was not impressed with how they played a lot of their early game compositions, um, not only in their losses, but some of the games that they won, especially with the Callista. I was like, you, they they needed stronger laners than what they have to be able to execute those. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it'll still be that based on like the actual gameplay. Um, I'd be really sad to see Fnatic like drop out of top two. I don't think it's going to happen. Okay. So, uh, Chiefs and Loud, you don't, uh, you don't have much. Hope. I don't have much hope, and okay. I hate to say that because I again, like, I'll be like, CB Law is really close to me in terms of a league that I started watching back in 2014. Um, I'll be rooting for them just because I I always want the Brazilian teams to do well and especially to see Tinones back on the um, world stage is just a really cool story. Um, but I think they might struggle, especially since like their finals wasn't that great. It kind of seemed like pain almost rolled over a bit. So um, yeah. All right. Well, that's a pretty good breakdown of A. I feel bad throwing you at B because we just we just did the the big breakdown of A but let's get into it. So our teams here are DRX, Istanbul Wildcats, Isaris, is it do we figure out how to pronounce that yet? I say Isaris. I am not sure okay. if that's correct. Mad right. Lions who uh how how do they do in best of fives, Emily? And then RG <laughs> and uh Buffalo are yeah. are friends over from Vietnam. Okay, so these these are our lineup. 
you want to do a quick breakdown of, of these and then we'll do a similar grouping? Yeah. I'm not saying tier list because whenever I say tier list, I you run out of the room. <laughs> screaming. Yes. Uh, so Don't we'll make do, me do it. these are groupings of teams that we will be doing for these play ins uh, groups. So. Um, yeah. So DRX, um, I actually, I actually didn't expect them to be here. Um, I've said this on uh, the world's like, uh, show that we're doing with Pickums. Um, I was actually fully expecting Liv Sandbox to be the team, the fourth team out of Korea. Um, the big headlining name that everyone's going to know is obviously Deft. Deft is back at Worlds again. Um, he's just still a really phenomenal AD carry. Um, I think it'll be super interesting if stuff like Leona, for example, and maybe more engaged supports comes back for Barrel. Um, I also think, uh, so So for those that don't know the lineup, it's Kingen and then Piosik and Juhan, Juhan, who they who you might remember from PSG, um, who they started playing in their run to qualify um, a little bit more. And then Zeka, Mid, uh, Deft, and Barrel previously of Damwon. So DRX, they're not the fourth seed I expected to be here. I think they will have no problem in this group outside of RNG. And similarly, I feel the exact same way about RNG, who are our um, MSI, uh, you know, reigning champions. I think this team is still really, really strong. Um, the LPL is incredibly deep uh, this summer. Um, and I think RNG are also the only team that might give them trouble is DRX. So it's going to be like who beats who in that head to head, I think, to see who makes it out of the group. Um, unfortunately, that is how much further I think these two teams are ahead of like the rest of the pack. Um, so in next in in line, we have Mad Lions who I mean, we've talked a lot about them. I'm not sure how much I want to get into them, but I think when I think about Mad Lions, I think overall their mid jungle is their strongest component of Niski and Elioya. So we'll see how they um, attack this group stage. Uh, Saigon Buffalo, people might remember them from MSI uh, because GAM Esports had been selected to go to Southeast Asian games. So Saigon was filling in for them. I think they're... Um, a step down from GAM and they actually really struggled uh, coming back from MSI. Um, they also just got their visas and are traveling kind of separately almost last minute. So I'm not sure how much practice they'll be able to get in. But this is a very young team. Um, they're very scrappy. I think the big difference I'd want to point out from when they were at MSI to now is that I think Froggy is a lot better in working with the team, their mid laner. Um, and so I don't think, you know, I, I'm not saying like, oh my gosh, he's now this superstar is just going to like take over. But I think he communicates a lot better with the team um, and has helped them out, especially in their back half and route to qualifying for play-ins. Um, then we have Istanbul Wildcats, who people might remember from um, other international competitions. It's the exact same roster of Starscreen, Ferret, Saren. And then Holy Phoenix and Farfetch'd. And 
I think the player I kind of want to point out is Farfetch because he got a lot of criticism from Turkish fans and from international fans. People were calling him the worst player. Um, so uh, one thing I like I really appreciate about him is that he just embraced the Nautilus memes of him like missing hooks and stuff. So that's really fun. Holy Phoenix is like one of the most uh, decorated and storied TCL players. So I think if you if you want to watch anyone on this team, especially with how AD carry focused this has been, I would say Holy Phoenix. Um, the player that everyone's going to tell you to watch out for is Sarah in their mid laner. Um, and Ferret struggled in season, but lately and during their playoff uh, run, he has been playing better. And then lastly, Travis is telling me to move on. All right. Isaris Gaming, they are, uh, two of their players are uh, from Mexico. Grell, their jungler, his family's actually from Mexico City, so that's a really cool uh, oh, storyline. Yeah. And then obviously, if you've been around in the league scene for a while, you know Seiya. Seiya is a player that I'm still mad. I still have a chip on my shoulder that he was never able to play for an NA team. Uh, I always thought he was really, really good. People had a lot of respect for him in solo queue all the way back in like, what, like 2012, 2013, right? Like when he first started playing. Um, he has like, it not just LLA titles, because he has three LLA titles, but then when you add all of his other titles, I think he has like seven. Um, he's just this really, really storied player um, that they like to joke about, like, because he's really humble about it. So they joke that he's like actually the boss of the team. Um, Jelly, who people might know from Afrika Freaks, like trainee team, he's kind of the the joking uh, player on the team. And then ADD, people might also remember from Korea. This team, I think, is gonna maybe have a rough time, but I I want people to root for them because they are the home team. Like I said, Grell's family is actually from Mexico City. Say is also Mexican. He's the most storied. Um, Mexican player that they've ever had. So I hope that they can come out and have a good uh, a good showing because like play-ins is so, like if you look at this group, play-ins is like insanely yeah. tough now, yeah. you know? Like it's, it's nuts and I'm sad that we won't be able to dedicate as much time to their story because they are gonna have a tough time. Yeah. I... I look at this group and I just think about the world's format and uh, are sad. Uh, you're sad, right? How much it sucks. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just <laughs> it's so it like I don't know as a as a random aside, and this is just kind of me. This, is, this show is all about reacting, you know, yeah, just in this no, moment go. reacting to this group. I don't understand what the point of plans is in some sense. If we're just sort of like throwing these teams in, I hope that we get surprised and some of these teams get out or something. There's some surprises, but like, my God, it's just, why did we have to add additional LPL and LCK seeds? And I just, uh, I don't know. Or, or if you were going to do that, like have an international wildcard tournament, like yeah. give us space to actually give teams the actual credit. And we can see like their improvement over a period of time in a tournament because getting smashed by like RNG yeah. or like team A's, for example, at MSI, right? Like I felt really bad for them because how are you supposed to talk about a team when they're going up against competition? That's just so much stronger. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, so I will ask you to do the similar groupings. Who's, this is, this is the tougher group. This is tough, yeah. Okay, so who gets out 
who's the dark horses and then who has no chance so if it was any other chinese team but rng yeah i would say drx out one okay just because korean teams are always much more stable in, in, in best of one situations right sure. like um but rng should be pretty stable as well yeah i think um they had some interesting best of fives and that's why they weren't able to qualify but i think in terms of being close to the top of the lpl i would put them a little bit closer than i would drx to the top of the lck if that makes sense sure um but it's going to depend on the head-to-head and whether they don't drop a game to like for example saigon buffalo but rng and drx are your top two yes okay so there, your your predictions for them to get yeah. out, which means Mad does not. Um, so Mad and who's I think who's Mad your, and Saigon Buffalo are going to be the three the, four though. the dark horses. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Istanbul Wildcats and Isaris have no, like virtually no chance in your in your mind. I mean, I think Wildcats have a stronger chance than Isaris. I'll okay. say that. Like I don't. Again, this this team this group top to bottom I think is stronger than okay. than Group A. So like. I don't. I don't think Istanbul Wildcats are like so far behind Saigon. You know what I mean? Like right. I, that's not what I'm saying. I just think that probably Saigon are going to make it out. But like between Istanbul Wildcats and Saigon Buffalo, that's going to be a close one too. How, how likely is it that Mad Lions could upset? Right? Because they are. I mean, they are a main um, region team. Like they they could come through, right? I think it's going to really depend on what the AD carry meta ends up being, actually. And that's also uh, contingent to my RNG prediction because I'm assuming that Gala is going to be comfortable on something like a Kaisa um, and, and how the meta is evolving. Because if it goes to like a Caitlyn Ash meta, I think RNG could actually struggle if Kaisa just gets banned out and Gala doesn't have something that he's like as comfortable on. Because sure. even, even in their qualifying, I didn't think he was as comfortable in that ADC meta, like the Zeri Sivir trade as other Chinese ADCs. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, okay, so we've we've properly previewed the plans groups. And I think what what we should also maybe caveat is is that we're we so as you all might be able to know, because we've mentioned this sometimes, we record on Tuesdays and then we release on Wednesdays for the show. Next week we were thinking about doing the show on Wednesday and recording then because plans will be completely done. But Emily and I are traveling yep. uh, to the Big Apple, uh, <laughs> which is what I believe they call it. Uh, dun, on dun, that, dun, dun, uh, <laughs> uh, so please, you're going to get a copyright strike. Okay. Oh yeah, crap. Okay, <laughs> I was not singing. Uh, uh, but anyway, so so just a little bit of a an, a note here, a show note for all of you that we will still be recording on Tuesday, so we won't have the plans stuff completely done by then. But hopefully it'll be close enough. Uh, and then after that, we have to we have to figure out how to do our shows from New York. Yeah, because that's going to be what's the we're we're thinking about sneaking into one of Spotify studios because they're they're out in New York and maybe that would be kind of fun. So regardless, all this to say, we will ha- be able to reflect on most of this next Tuesday, um, and you will hear us talk about it on Wednesday. And then hopefully after that, everything should go according to plan. You guys will hear us talk about everything. Whenever uh, groups are done and quarters are done and all that normal stuff. Okay. We want to talk about last week's Q&A, which was where we asked you, who are your top five players at Worlds? Uh, Because obviously everybody was releasing their tier lists. Uh, Emily originally wanted to do 10. 
the show would have gone for two hours if you guys had given us <laughs> 10 to talk about. But I think the best one that I see here is from Bins, who says their number one player is Fudge. Their number two <laughs> player is Fudge Cakey. Their other third player is Seedai Fudge. Then Inspired and JoJo. And it's just nice to see Inspired and JoJo make it on the fudge list. But, I know, right? Uh, yeah, that's my favorite. I don't know. There was also Matt who just said blabber, 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 blabber. Yeah. Mosef here said Chovy, Chovy, Jackie Love, Inting, Chovy, Chovy. Uh, so I, I'll, I'm happy to see how seriously so many of you guys took our request yeah. for this. A lot of I, them I have, feel bad for, and I might mispronounce your name, so I'm so sorry. Uh, Ate... Liti, who said Upset and Hilly, <laughs> uh, which Upset and Hillsong are both really good players, but unfortunately, uh, they did the, an all EU list. So Upset, Hilly, uh, Oduamne, uh, Caps, and Yonkos, and then Let's Go EU. Um, and I'm sad that, uh, you know, Upset and, and Hillsong got sick. Cause the amount of troll ones, Oristus says number one, Whippo, number two, Santora, number three, Perks, number four, Karzy, number five, Core JJ. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of trolling. Um, yes. I think the the main one, um, the main name that I continue to see crop up among the the actual ones is Chovy. I think Chovy's yes. on every single person's list. If not one, then two. Um, for example, Sean did five and then honorable mentions and then western honorable mentions so chovy knight viper shauhu kanavi with honorable mentions Caria and ruler and then western honorable mentions of caps blabber and larson which i think is super interesting um i'm surprised ruler is an honorable mention and not on that list um but obviously it's it's really tough right so let me ask you is Chovy like the player that because obviously a lot of people are talking about Faker at Worlds as always when Faker goes to mm-hmm. Worlds but is Chovy the final boss like if Riot on the narrative side is like scripting cinematics and videos <laughs> and all that stuff like that should should Chovy be considered the the apex predator for this Worlds honestly narratively I I kind of think it's ruler uh, even though I think Chovy being one on so many lists makes a lot of sense. Like he's he's evolved so much as a player, and that's crazy to say because he was setting all of these KDA records uh, while he was on Griffin. And I remember watching, and I was like, "Oh, he's really good. He has hands, but he's not like helping the rest of the map." Now he knows how to do everything, right? right. Like just with experience, um, you could see it on HLE uh, last year uh, when he was kind of there. <laughs> win condition let's just say um and he has had a phenomenal year i think ruler has also had a phenomenal year and ruler is the franchise player of genji right like he's he came from uh samsung trainee system won worlds with them is their headlining player so i think narratively i would still design it around ruler but chovy being number one on so many lists is makes so much sense and i think it would behoove people to look at how much he's improved even in the past like few years in terms of how he communicates with his team it's really awesome yeah all right do you have you have you given your top five i haven't and i'm not going okay wait (laughs) emily you asked all these people to give their top fives and you won't give your top five i'll be giving it uh, elsewhere okay yeah, I'm actually serious. I will be giving it those. Okay. So. Well, and sorry. Riot, Riot sponsored content. Spotify, 
I apologize that Riot has once again stolen content from you, uh, but Emily Uh, Rand will not be sharing her top five. Wait, Hopium, Jordan with the Hopium take top, it's just, oh, it's just C9. Yes, there's a lot of people who just then And then, well, then, then they go on to probably true, 369, Peanut, Chovy, Viper, Mako, which I think Mako and Ming are going to be super interesting. Yeah. Um, because again, if if Enchanter supports are nerfed enough going into this patch, I think you will see RNG and EDG looking a little bit better because their supports are both just so good at controlling the game through roams and initiation. You know what's interesting to me, Emily? It feels like we don't have like what looking at these lists. It feels like there's just a lot of like old players um, at Worlds this year that are on people's lists. You know, it's like. I've been interviewing Peanut for years and yep. Ruler's been around forever. And like, it's just, it is, it is, and you know, I see so many of the same LPL players. Like, I, I don't know. Is yeah, it, is TN, it, Kanavi. Right. Uh, is it surprising? Is there anything interesting there about just like how funny it is just to see so many of the same faces again this year at Worlds that have been around forever? I mean, I think it's kind of cool. I think the big thing, like with Peanut, for example, is that he's having a, like career resurgence, right? Like, I I don't think anyone's going to be like, oh my gosh, like he's the best jungler in the world. Maybe, maybe they will. And they have an argument for that, but like he's had a phenomenal split on this Gen G team. And it's just cool to see how you, it can still have these like valleys in performance for whatever reason, and then come back and still be considered the best in the world. And I think peanut is, kind of the the quintessential example of that this year anyway yeah i mean i think what is interesting to me is that for a long time there's a lot of conversation about how quickly players churn within the lpl and lck systems especially lpl Mm -hmm. if i recall and and it's just it's i mean obviously we have some newer players like guma etc but like it's it's crazy to see just the staying power from so many of these names you know like how many more worlds are we going to see Faker at? Um, yeah. It's like a, an interesting question, for instance. One one last shout out I want to do to Gabriel, who did all five positions, five for each. Oh, my gosh. And they said top 369, Zeus, Breathe, Wayward, Nuguri, Jungle, Tien, Kanavi, Peanut, Canyon, Cheje, Mid, Chovy, Shaohu, Scout, Knight, Yagao, ADC, Viper, Ruler, Hope, Gala, Deft, Support, Carry, I'm Missing, Mark, Ming, Trimby. The support is very interesting to me, honestly. That's a lot of players. Okay. Thank you, Gabriel. So, uh, now that we've talked about both this week's Q&A and, or sorry, last week's Q&A and last week's poll, we're not going to talk about this week's poll and Q&A. So, first off, let's talk a little bit about how much do you think COVID will affect Worlds? So, it's already affecting... Worlds with Fnatic and this was a conversation you and I were having a little bit before the start of the show which is you know the the big question is how much is Riot planning and mitigating around the fact that players almost certainly will get COVID Um, and what does that mean are they are we gonna see a lot of subs are we gonna see games rescheduled I mean I think the obvious thing that you and I were discussing is like Hopefully everybody has a computer in their room and they have some sort of system to like ensure competitive integrity 
it's not a crazy idea, right? We've seen obviously a lot of remote play, but if you have one or two players also, you know, in LCS, when a single player gets COVID, even if it's a false positive, the entire five players are not allowed to play on stage. So will we see that where like, you know, with so many players, are we going to see a lot of situations where the, the stage either has only one team or no teams competing on it in front of an audience. So basically with how strict they've been historically and how difficult it is to not have anyone, any player on any team get COVID, right? Like I'm not saying players are going to behave irresponsibly. I'm saying it's just so difficult. Even if you're vaccinated, you're traveling internationally. Yeah. You're traveling, you're doing all this other stuff. So, um, and, and then not to mention false positives, I'm wonder. I was wondering on the scale of like, are they going to have people play remotely? Are they going to reschedule games, or is it going to be one of those like NFL things where it's like COVID? Yeah. Magically, none of us got COVID. Don't pay attention to the fact that people might be like dying on on the field from not being able to breathe. You know, like it, I, I I don't think that Riot, because of how strict they've been and the precedents they've set, would be able to turn a blind eye at this point and pretend that players aren't getting COVID. So yeah. Yeah. So I think our question to all of you is how much do you think COVID will affect worlds a ton, some, a little or none? And I think this is a good question to ask at this stage. I mean, obviously we've just talked a lot at length about why we think it, it could be a common issue, but I maybe a, <laughs> we've got extra time on this episode. So maybe, <laughs> maybe it's time for me to do a like mini reaction shot, but I think the LCS has really benefited from Jackie uh, Felling being out there and talking very actively to the community about stuff. Mm-hmm. Who is doing that on the LOL esports side? From like, Global? Yeah, from Global. Because sometimes Nas, who who heads up LOL esports for Global, comes out and does interviews. I actually really like Nas um, and, and have had good interactions with her. But I think she's more entrenched in like the higher level planning. And so I think one of the challenges that I've seen is like as they've had all these ticketing issues, there's nobody to say anything to Mm -hmm. the the community or try to like feel like they're out there talking about this stuff. And I think this is another situation where like I think it would actually be good if Riot was proactively. (laughs) uh, Sorry. Uh, I think one (laughs) of one of the things I frequently feel is that the global team who handles all these global events doesn't always do the best job of proactive communication. This is a perfect instance of where to do proactive communication because this COVID stuff, I think, will become an issue. And it's not like they have talked at all publicly yet about like, here's our plans. Here's what to expect. Here's how we're going to approach this. And um, and I, I get the feeling that this will become like a bigger issue at some point in time. This is my prediction. At some point in time during Worlds, there will be drama because of the COVID stuff Yep. and Riot will not have set expectations properly beforehand and people will be upset. Whereas if they had proactively communicated, here's our plan on how to deal with this last week, this week, whenever, like they will, would have faced a lot less because people would not have been surprised when, oh my God, why isn't Faker on stage? Oh, it's because a member of the T1 coaching staff tested positive and now we don't have cameras for them or something, right? It would behoove them to release uh, an outline of their contingency plan. Yeah. Because pretending that people are not going to get COVID is just uh, not going to happen. And we saw this with the um, MSI stuff around 
the networking stuff that they had come up with. We saw this with the previous year's MSI around the scheduling changes that they made to, to made to accommodate the LPL team because of like all the scheduling stuff. If you recall, mm-hmm. um, like this is a perfect example where I I will be happy if this ends up not becoming an issue. I'm not saying I want it to become an issue, but it's a, a situation where yeah, there's just not going to be very much proactive communication, and um, and then drama will occur. So. Anyway, I guess we can we can replay that. I'll I'll ask our producer to make a note for this file at this time, and then maybe we'll replay it if it becomes an issue, and maybe we'll replay it if it doesn't. And this will be how Travis Gafford is admitting to himself that he is uh, very sensational. Okay, this week's Q and A is what plans teams do you think will surprise yeah. people? So we we got Emily Rand's subgroupings, which is definitely not a tier list. Nope. We'd like to hear from all of you. What teams do you think will surprise people? And please answer early in the week. Don't don't cheat and use it uh, later on. Don't don't answer this question on Sunday whenever we have had some shocking development. So please let us know about the Q and A. All right, Emily Rand, it's time mm-hmm. for reaction shots. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the world's music videos and kind of how they've evolved and why. Rise is is going to remain undefeated. So for people that want like my personal take on the music of Riot, uh, I think it's like whatever. Like I'm never going to voluntarily listen to anything that Riot releases. Even KDA? No, I oh haven't. Oh my God. Yeah, like it, it, I, I hear it on broadcast. So I know the songs at this point, but I'm very like meh. We have a hater in the building. People. I do. It's I mean, it's meant it's it does its job, right? Like it's meant to pump you up. It's meant to be anthemic and big and loud and good running music, I guess. Um, I have other running music that I listen to, but uh, (laughs) I'll say Rise. um, I was talking to Raz about this and he helped me clarify some of my thoughts on like how the music videos work and why Rise will remain undefeated. So I'm gonna get into like narrative storytelling a bit with animation, which is a nerdy thing I'm into. Um, Rise was so good. Uh, the song is whatever to me still, but the music video is really good because it was a clear, coherent nar- narrative that made a lot of sense. In hindsight, it's become even more interesting because of what happened to the South Korean teams at that tournament in 2018. Um, however, the big thing with Rise is that it's a look back, right? It's like, it's a look back at how players had tried to contend with Faker, with uh, with South Korean teams continuing to dominate the landscape of League of Legends. That's all part of the fabric of the storytelling in that. And so they had a very clear cut narrative of what they wanted to do. Um, and because it's stuff that already happened and you're like, okay, the challengers to this, here, here it is, right? Um, who's going to be the next one. And then it turns out it's the whole like ambition narrative, which is very cool. Uh, All of the ones since the people I think have complained about and had issues about have been look aheads, right? So they've been trying to correctly predict who is going to make it, um, what's going to happen. And that's how you end up with players that aren't at Worlds (laughs) um, being featured. And this most recent uh video actually star walking just generally as a song from Lil Nas X is a song that I will 
more than likely maybe actually voluntarily listened to um because it was obviously it's not anthemic right which is a big complaint that people have about it it's not an anthem it's not the big bombastic kind of thing that you expect from a world song um but the video is particularly egregious because it only focuses on four predict like predictory players from major regions one of them is not here in core jj um and because they have to do all of these look aheads you don't get a lot of actual animation it's them like getting into mechs and fighting each other and there's not as much um actual small storytelling like even you got in the previous video where you had uh, i believe reckless was in one where he didn't go to worlds but there was still really cool small like character animation moments of facial features or like the only one in this is of chovy's hands like uh doing a coin anyway i'm getting too deeply into animation so people are probably getting bored but my point is anytime it's going to be trying to predict results or like look ahead it's always going to fail to live up to a more coherent narrative that's based on past performance so for future music videos and actual animation if they need that much time to to do the animation part of it right i would love to see them um go back to something like rise where it's less predictory and more a retelling of what has happened in the past and how meaningful that is no i think that's i think it's very well said um emily Rand, the hater continues her campaign against little riot uh, games <laughs> sure Travis, sure oh i just no i just it's so i think it's so funny anytime um you are are critical of of them because i feel like that's the the crown that people think i wear you know so it's always fun okay speaking of that <laughs> uh it is time for my reaction shot so okay I've, i'm gonna open up here a little bit personally i am really looking forward to worlds and have been this whole year it has been a thing that has kind of kept me going through the last couple of years is like knowing that this is going to be back in North America. And the last time I was in North America, I really loved it. Um, and I know that I will love this, uh, for those that don't know, not to, uh, use this podcast to promote another, but, uh, we announced hotline league live, the TGI world's tour last night with all of our dates. Um, we're doing five shows. It's gonna be really fun. I, I'm really excited about that. I am so excited about being in these iconic, cities being in new york which i haven't been to in a very long time like seeing fans come out and like cheer for the teams like it like chicago did so much for me and so just knowing that i get like a month long of that it's really meaningful and i know that riot is going to deliver in some really cool ways like i'm sure that when i go to chase center in november and watch the finals it's going to feel wonderful on the other hand, I am starting to get a little nervous because I can't look at anything so far that Riot has done around Worlds this year that has felt like it's been properly executed. So Emily was just talking a little bit about where she thought that the video was amiss. Uh, I have been very vocal and critical about scheduling, uh, releasing the dates for all this stuff originally, then releasing the tickets for sale. And even yesterday, like their Twitter account continued to spread mis 
communication around the ticketing process, which is now incredibly convoluted. And on the media side, I've started to experience issues. People probably saw my tweet about, you know, the first four days of World's Groups is when you get 12 teams a day. It is when I usually get the vast majority of my interviews for the entire month. And they've said that at this juncture, and hopefully they can solve this, they're not going to be able to do video interviews. Um, I like, I am nervous because they're clearly struggling with this first part of worlds. We haven't heard conversations about how they're going to handle the COVID stuff, for instance. And it is making me anxious about the rest of this event. Cause I know I'm not saying that the event's going to be a disaster. I know that you know, the games are going to be great and that it's going to be feel really cool to have these big audiences again for worlds. And I'm not trying to say that like worlds is going to suck this year, but what I am trying to say is like so far, Riot Is not instilling confidence in me for their ability to execute on this event. And I I'm, I'm very disheartened by that because I, I want like the reason I explain the personal significance of this worlds to me to folks is because I want people to understand I'm not rooting against Riot. I'm not rooting against this event, but I want to feel better about what this event is going to be than the way they've made me feel to date. So that's kind of my, my like personal reaction shot to how things have been going so far. And so I really hope that like two weeks from now, I'm just like, Oh, what, what was I worried about? You know, like I did, I was so overdramatic on that episode, but I don't know. Like things have to really start getting a lot better than maybe how they've been so far. So I do want to say a small note on the video thing. It's really frustrating to hear that because again, the setup um, of competition for play-ins is already so rough in terms of narrative storytelling around a team like loud, for example, right. That I'd really want to talk about a team like Isaris gaming that I'd really want to talk about. And a lot of those narratives then have to fall to a third party interviewers like you, like I would love to do a long video interview with Saya about being, you know, the Mexican star player. Like he's such a storied player. I don't even know how many people know how, how good he is, how well-respected he was on the NA server in the early days of League of Legends to now being this very experienced player who's still very humble, who his teammates tease him about, like Grell having this world's competition in his hometown where his parents are gonna be able to watch him play um, is amazing. And that's kind the kind of stuff that is going to become exponentially harder to talk about on broadcast when it's probably going to become apparent that they're going to struggle against like a DRX, right? An RNG. And that's where third party video interviews can really come in handy. Um, And so that in and of itself, just as someone who's really interested in narrative storytelling, and if the broadcast can't do it for whatever reason, because you only have 15 minutes or you only have five minutes or whatever, then it falls to third party. And the fact that we won't have those video interviews is really frustrating. Yeah. And they, they've to be, to give them credit, like the comms team has said that they're trying to, they understand that it's not great and they're trying to come up with solutions, but we are about a week out from the start of groups and, um, I don't know. I, I'm trying to be diplomatic um, and trying to be friendly and not be really aggressive about this stuff like I have been in the past, but it's, um, I don't know. 
I, there's a lot of personal stress around this because I've made a lot of financial commitments. Um, and just in terms of New York's a very expensive city and all that stuff. So I, yep. I, I don't need to get into all of it, but yeah, I look world is going to be sick. I have no doubt about it, but man, I'm a little worried about these things on the fringe. Okay. That's the show. Uh, we will talk next week about plans. It's going to be great. Um, and I, I can't wait to watch these games finally kick off in just a short time. Thank you, Emily Rand. Yeah. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>